You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. Man, wasn't worship powerful this morning? I, there's nothing like gathering together as a community and lifting the name of Jesus up together. We're continuing our series uh, this morning called Make Space. And I want to begin by asking this question of you. Have you ever had an encounter with God that has moved you? Have you had a personal encounter with God that has moved you? As we jump into this question, this next week of this series this morning, I want to start by just sharing three snapshots of people who had powerful encounters with God that moved them. The first is this guy right here. His name is Charles Finney. And believe it or not, that is the least creepy picture I could find of (laughs) Charles Finney. And so you're welcome for that. Charles Finney was an incredible evangelist in the early 19th century. But before he was an evangelist, he was a lawyer. And one day in his office, he had the most powerful encounter with God that he describes as waves and waves of liquid love just washing over him. He describes his encounter with the Holy Spirit as like electricity running through his body. And the very next day, Charles Finney quit his job as a lawyer and went out to become one of the most successful evangelists of all time, becoming now what is known as the father of modern-day revivalism. I mean, this guy literally paved the way for people like Dwight L. Moody and Billy Sunday and Billy Graham. So that's story one. Story two is a woman named Lucy Farrow. And Lucy Farrell was born in the 1850s in Norfolk, Virginia as a slave. And so for the early part of her life and throughout her life, she knew the harshest of racial oppression. And she lived through the Civil War, through Reconstruction, and she too had a profoundly personal encounter with the Holy Spirit. A moment in her life that was so tangible and so powerful where the Holy Spirit came upon her that she actually ended up moving out to Los Angeles and and was what they call the flame that started one of the biggest revivals in the United States. They called her the anointed handmaiden. She would lay hands on people as they received the Holy Spirit for the first time. And she today is called the mother of modern-day Pentecostalism. You see, this woman, and believe it or not, like this is one of the only pictures that I could find of her, hence the reason it's so low resolution. She, she got connected with a guy named William Seymour, and just, I mean, the fire in her just exploded. And then the last story here is a guy named John Wesley. And John Wesley is the father of the movement that New Life is a part of. We are Wesleyans. And John Wesley after many years of fruitless gospel ministry and personal moral defeat, had what he describes as a strange warming of his heart, which is a very strange way to describe an encounter with the Holy Spirit. But his heart was strangely warmed in May of 1738, and from this moment on, he took the gospel to the nations and shook the nations with Holy Spirit authority. John Wesley describes this encounter in May of 1738 as the point where his faith moved from that of a slave to the faith of a son. 
And so maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, cool stories, bro. What do they have to do with me today? Well, all three of these stories have one thing in common. All three of these people had a powerful encounter with the presence of God, and they were moved deeply. But we're not, we aren't telling their stories today because they simply had an emotional encounter with God. Like if all they had was an emotional encounter with God, right, the waves of liquid love that washed over them, if, that's, if that was the beginning and the end of their encounter with God, we would not be telling their stories today. The reason that we still tell their stories in the church today is because that emotional encounter became a movement in their lives of calling, of purpose, of obedience, of repentance. They were more than just moved emotionally by their encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to ask the question again, have you had a personal encounter with God that has moved you? And I don't mean just moved you emotionally. I don't mean just moved you to tears or stirred something in you. But have you had an encounter with the presence of living God that has moved you in a way that says, I was here and now I'm here. That has moved you in repentance. That has moved you in obedience. That has moved you into calling towards evangelism, towards doing something with your faith, towards holiness, towards sacrifice. Have you had an encounter with God that has moved you? You see, what's true is true encounter with God always moves us. When I think about my own life, God has moved me emotionally thousands of times in my life. But the stories that I still tell today is when that emotional movement became something deeper, became a movement of obedience, became a movement of repentance and holiness in my life. So as we continue the story today, I want to just challenge you as we dive in, that if your experience of God begins and ends with just emotions, God wants more for you than that. He wants more in your life than that. And as we look at the story in Exodus of the children of Israel and they're traveling through the wilderness and the tabernacle, there's this powerful moment in the story where God's presence moved his people. And so if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 40. Verse 34, Exodus chapter 40, verse 34. I'm going to take a drink while, uh, while you turn there. My throat started acting up this morning for some reason out of nowhere. So, um, Exodus chapter 40, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Okay, so this cloud is representative of God's presence. This is his tangible, visible presence for the people of Israel. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the temple, or the tabernacle, sorry. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So what's happening here? In short, when God rests, Israel rests. When God moves, Israel moves. Right? When the, when the, the cloud is settled over the tabernacle and his presence fills the tabernacle, Israel stops. They're not moving in those moments. They're, they're resting. But, but when the cloud moves... It compels Israel's movement. When the cloud moves forward, it compels 
Israel to move forward. I love how verse 36 says this. It says, Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. All their journeys were compelled by the Spirit of God moving before them. You see, Moses... And his desire for the people that God had entrusted him to lead was not that it would just be some messenger that would compel them to move as a people. Moses' desire was not that it would be like an LED wall that would move them as a people or a great kids ministry that would move them as a people or three perfectly timed chords that stir up emotions the right way and a worship song that would move his people. It was not anything other than the presence of God. It wasn't strategy or marketing. It was the presence of God moving the people of God. Full stop. That was Moses' desire, so much so that if you remember at the beginning of the series, we, we pointed out where in Exodus 33, Moses said, God, if you are not going to go before us, we are not going to move. We will not move without your presence going before us. So I just want to ask this morning, in this story, as the people of Israel moved, whose choice ultimately was it to move with God? Whose choice ultimately was it to invite the presence of God to be the thing that moves them? It was everybody. It was, it was the people, wasn't it? It was the people's response to God moving that caused them to move. As God stirred in their midst, it was up to the people of God to choose whether or not they would move with God or whether or not they would, stay, uh, would, they would plant their feet and stay put. And to be honest, sometimes they chose to plant their feet and stay put. And yet, true encounter with God moves his people. True encounter with God moves us. It stirs us. It brings us from this place to this place. A few, uh, actually, it was last summer, we, uh, we took our kids rafting up north. Anybody like rafting down rivers in the summer at all? Three of us. I think more of us like doing it than that. My wife's parents, <clears throat> they have a place up in Kalkaska, and we were, we were rafting with our kids down the Manistee River. We, I brought a picture of, uh, of Sam and Emery in the, in the tube together. And, you know, we're rafting, and we're switching up tubes. And at one point, Emery, <clears throat> who was five at the time, was in the tube by herself. So she was, she was rafting down this river. And we're having fun. We're, you know, we're going. <clears throat> but then all of a sudden, she hits uh, a sandbar, like two inches of water deep. She hits a sandbar, and she just comes to a halt. She comes to a stop. She cannot move. And uh, I'm a little bit ahead of her. I'm looking back, and she says, Dad, I'm stuck. I need help. And uh, I, I have a decision to make in this moment as a parent, right? Like, I can get out of my raft, and I can go, and I can, like, make it easy for her and free her, or I can let her kind of figure this out by herself. And so what I did is I just kept going, and, you know, we lost her, and she just, she was fine. I was like, bye. <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't do that. But I also, I knew like, hey, it's actually really good for her in this moment to like solve this problem, right? Like I'm, she's safe. She's not in a position where she's in any danger that, you know, it's not like she's in rapids or anything like that. So, so I say, hey, Emery, I'm not going anywhere. Like I'm right here. But if you want to keep moving, you're actually going to have to get out of your raft and move. Sounds counterintuitive or sounds a little more basic, doesn't it? If you want to move, you have to actually get out of the raft and you have to make the choice to move. 
And guess what she chose to do? She chose to move. Some of us are stuck in our faith because God is compelling us to move, and yet we are unwilling to get out of the raft and move with him. Like some of us are like, God, when are you going to move in our lives? And God's like, I'm already moving. You're just not willing to. You see, when God moves, like true encounter with God, it actually moves us out of our rafts. It moves us towards action. It moves us to repent. It moves us into calling. I said this already, but if, if your experience of God begins and ends with you being moved emotionally, then it may not be the God that's moving in your life. And we have seen God move powerfully in people's lives in this series. And what I want us to understand as a church, even this morning, is that that goes beyond just him moving us emotionally. That goes beyond him just kind of stirring something in us that we say, okay, that was nice, but then I'm going to go home and it's not going to make any difference in my life on the drive home or in my workplace or, or with my kids or the way that I get involved or the way that I serve. Like we, we, we're stirred emotionally, but all we're doing is just staying stuck in our raft. We're not moving as God moves. And I also want to speak to you too because I know there's some people in our church that, that say often, well, I'm just not an emotional person at all. And so if I'm not feeling God move emotionally in my life, I must not be experiencing his movement at all. And I'll say to you, you can't ever use that as an excuse not to be obedient to him as well. Like sometimes God moves just from a kick in the pants for us. It says, get moving. Right? Like there's so many different ways that God moves, but his goal is that we move as he moves. We grow as he moves. We are transformed as he moves. We are obedient as he moves moves. Like maybe you're here this morning and you're stuck in the raft of scarcity, right? Finances feel tight. Prices are high. Maybe you had a job change or a job situation that feels really unstable right now. And so you are stuck in the raft of scarcity. And here's what I'm here to tell you. The only way to get out of the raft of scarcity is to actually start moving, to start being generous with what you have, Because when you start being generous with what you have, that grip of scarcity, that grip of not enough, that grip, that power that it has over you begins to loosen. And as you move into generosity, God begins to move in powerful ways. Some of us are missing out on incredible blessing that God has for our life because he's moving, but we're just not willing to be generous with what he's given us because it doesn't feel like enough. And I don't share this to be weird. I really don't. But uh, <laughs> you're like, yeah, you do. Um, every time that I get a paycheck from the church, the first 10% of that paycheck goes right back to the church. And people will often say, like, if they hear that, they'll say, that's weird. You're just, like, returning what was given to you in the first place by the one who gave it to you. And I'm saying, exactly. That's all giving ever is for any of us. That as we get out of the raft of scarcity and we say, God, I am going to move as you move. I'm going to be generous with what you've given me. I'm going to return what you've given me because it came from you in the first place. I have story after story of God moving in people's lives because they were willing to get out of their raft and move as God moved. And he freed them from the grip that money had on them as they were generous. He invited them into stories that they would not have been a part of because they made the choice to get out of their raft and be generous. I have seen story after story after story in our church of people, of God moving in people's lives 
because they made the choice to get out of their raft and move as God moved. Here's another one. Some of us are stuck in the raft of a consumption mindset. And the only way to get out of a consumption mindset that is quite literally killing us in the church today, this idea of consume and feed me and take in and take in, the only way to get out of that mindset is to begin contributing to the lives of other people on a regular basis. Like some of you don't feel like you're being fed here. And my first question is always this, how are you serving others in your life? Like, how are you giving of your life to others? Because here's the truth. God gave you a larger spiritual appetite than what my preaching will ever be able to fill on its own. And if the only place that you are coming is one hour on a Sunday morning for some worship and a teaching, and that you expect to fill the hunger that God gave you for his presence, you're never going to leave fully satisfied. God actually built you for more than that. He built you to contribute to the lives of others. He built you to move into calling and move in response and move in obedience. Like some of us are here and God hasn't moved in our lives. We've been coming to this church for, you know, 10 years and haven't gotten connected or involved anywhere. And we wonder why we're not experiencing God's presence on the daily. It's because he created you for more than that. You know, we have more kids in our kids' ministry than we ever have before in the life of our church. And we are in need of teachers for that kids' ministry. I'm just going to come out point blank and say we actually need people whose hearts are stirred by God to go and move into our kids' ministry one service a month, one service every other week, whatever that might look like for you, and say, God, uh, this scares the junk out of me. I don't feel equipped to teach but I believe that you are moving and I want to be part of that. I want to join in on that movement with you. True encounter with God, it moves us somewhere. For others of us, that the spirit of, the, of God is moving and, and, and you have a, a musical talent and, and you're sitting here and you're here every single week and you're consuming music and you're, you're singing songs and you're worshiping with us, but you have a talent that you haven't shared with the church and God actually wants to move through that in our community. He wants to invite you to be a part of that, to use that talent, to respond to him in obedience and not withhold what he has for us. Like, like some of us, God is so hungry to move in us, but we're not letting him because we're not willing to get out of our chairs. We're not willing to get out of our raft and invite him to move. True encounter with God, it moves us. Others of us, maybe we're stuck in the raft of shallow relationships or isolation, and the only way to get out of shallow relationships is to get out of your raft and move into community. Not move away, but move into community. Like, if you're not in a group, get in a group. Get in community somewhere here in the church. One thing that's really exciting for me about even just like worship ministry and what's happening there is God is really stirring the heart of Trend and some of our worship leaders right now to build community on their team, to actually learn what it looks like to worship together off a stage before they ever get on a stage to lead worship. That's what it looks like to get out of our rafts, to begin doing life together. I'm part of a men's group on Monday nights. This last week, we had over 20 guys gathering for discipleship and getting in the word together. Our young adults group that meets on Wednesday nights has to expand because they are, um, they are running out of space in the house that they're in. They're in the process of multiplying. Like if, if you're not in a group, you're gonna have a really hard time getting connected to the life 
of this community. There's some incredible groups that are starting up this week, and I want to challenge you, like in love, to get connected. Hear my heart here. I don't share these things because God wants something from you. It's not it. We'll be fine. We're fine as a church. God is, God's doing some cool things. The question for you, though, is what role are you going to play in being part of those things? Because God has always chosen to move through imperfect people. That's how he does his best work, because it displays his glory, his perfection, his amazingness, his holiness. See, God doesn't want something from you as much as he wants so much for you. And it's an act of his mercy and his grace that he actually invites us to move with him. He didn't have to choose to do it that way, but he did. And so how does God move us today? Like, there's no cloud today like Israel had, right? We don't have a physical cloud, except for Michigan, when nine months out of the year, it's all clouds. But we don't have a physical kind of manifestation cloud of God's presence. But we do have a wind. And the wind is that of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus, in John 14, promised his disciples his ongoing, his ever-present presence with them, he promised them the Holy Spirit. And this is... What, it, what Jesus says in John 14, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. You hear the movement language in Jesus' voice? He's, he's speaking about verbs. He's speaking about actions and movement. And then he says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, what does that say? Helper. He's talking about the Holy Spirit here. He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for this helper, this Holy Spirit, the presence, the ongoing presence of Jesus in our life dwells with us and will be in us. God's presence compels our movement. And this is not just an Old Testament, Moses, people of Israel, fire and cloud kind of idea. This is a 2022 people who are in Christ idea. That God's movement compels our movement. That true encounter with God, it moves us. What's interesting here is even in the, in the original language, when Jesus says another advocate or another helper, the original language here means the same when it says another. So in other words, as opposed to another that is like different or in contrast to Jesus, no, what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, I am giving you my spirit, separate person in the Trinity, but I am offering him to you as, as a symbol, as a sign of my ongoing presence in your life. If you know Jesus, you know this Holy Spirit. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is not an it, okay? The Holy Spirit is a he, a person. He is personal. He moves in our lives. We have relationship with him. And so what does Jesus do from this moment? He, he finishes his earthly ministry. He ascends in a cloud in Acts 1, which is interesting that it's a cloud that takes him up to heaven. He ascends, and then he tells his disciples, go and wait in the upper room. Just go and wait. Wait for this helper. Wait for this Holy Spirit. 
And so what do the disciples do from this moment? They go into Jerusalem and they just wait in this upper room and they wait and pray. Wait and pray, wait and pray. For 10 days, they're just waiting on God. And guess what's happening? No movement whatsoever. They're not doing ministry. They're not doing mission. They're waiting and they're praying, waiting and praying. Literally, the only thing they do in this time before the Holy Spirit comes is they choose the disciple to replace Judas Iscariot. They choose a guy named Matthias. And you know how they do it? They cast lots. It's not even like that spiritual of a thing. They just cast lots and they choose who's going to replace Judas Iscariot and then they wait. And they wait. And they wait. And nothing happens for 10 days. And they wait. (laughs) And they wait. And then, in Acts 2, like a rushing wind, like tongues of fire, like an explosion of movement on this day called Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fulfills the prophecy in Joel where his spirit, the spirit of God is poured out and men and women alike prophesy and they're speaking in tongues and there's all of this movement and what happens is right as soon as the Holy Spirit comes, they are filled with emotion and they all go home and live their lives exactly as they were before. No! What happens? That when the Holy Spirit is poured out, this explosion of movement that cannot be contained happens in the church. It's a whirlwind of movement, of moving from scarcity to generosity. You can read about this in the book of Acts. From, uh, it's a move towards community and obedience and repentance and calling and healing and teaching and on and on and on. The Spirit of God is what compels His church to move. You want to know if you're living or you're part of a spirit-filled church? Look at the movement of the people in that church. Are they moving? Is God stirring some things? Is God calling people to obedience, to repentance, to calling, to purpose? Like, I love, I love how the book of Acts just lays this out. Like, you can barely keep up as you read the book of just people going after the presence of God and him compelling them and him moving them and how much the Holy Spirit actually gets us out of our rafts to be moved by the presence of God. When he moves, we move. Encounter with God moves us. It's saying, God, we know you are here and we are moving with you. Two years ago, I met um, a new couple in our church named Aaron and Cheryl Van Wielde. And I got to know Aaron and Cheryl just through a couple different, like, serving things. And I, I often joke with them because back then we were all wearing masks over our face. And so I literally, like, the first time I saw them with a mask, I reintroduced myself because I had no idea what they looked like. And uh, when I think of encounter with God moving us, I think of people like Aaron and Cheryl and so many others in our church. I think of the way that they actually have been called into purpose and into calling that God, and and I've sat with them month after month as we meet regularly and just hear story after story of the way God is compelling them and moving them, not just in their emotions, but in obedience and action. You see, for Aaron and Cheryl, they lead our hospitality ministry today. And part of their passion here at New Life for that ministry is they actually didn't feel welcomed when they first came here. And most people, 
would say, I don't feel welcomed, I'm out, I'm moving out. What Aaron and Cheryl did looks a lot more like Jesus. They saw a gap and they said, we're actually going to move in. We're going to move in because we don't want other people to experience that. See, they didn't say this church doesn't meet my needs. They said, I'm going to go find one that does. They said, no, I'm going to be the solution for that gap and meet that need in this place. And if you were to sit with them, you would hear story after story of God moving radically in their lives, not just in their emotions, which he has done, but in their whole lives. Their story is one of moving from alcoholism to sobriety because of the spirit of God moving in their lives. Their story is one of moving from timidness to boldness, a Holy Spirit boldness. Their story is one moving from scarcity to generosity. And like all of us, their story is still ongoing. But here's what gets me so excited is they are always constantly saying to God, what do you have next? What do you have next? In fact, the last time I met with them, and they gave me permission to share this. I don't just, you know, willy-nilly share things. They are feeling a very real calling and stirring from God to move towards full-time ministry with their lives. Why? Because the Spirit of God is moving them. And that's not how he moves in every one of our lives. Some of us he calls to, to plant our feet right where we are and allow him to move in our workplace. But for them, they're feeling the stirring and this calling to say, God, you are moving and we want to move with you. I've seen Aaron and Cheryl connect with people who are not even in their ministry serving to say, hey, you struggle with social anxiety, I've struggled with social anxiety, let's go grab coffee and talk about it. <laughs> like This is the way God is moving in their lives. And today they are part of a, a group that the Zero Collective, our family of churches, is putting on called Launchable Leaders. It is a 13-week kind of discipleship program that trains people up for ministry, for the calling that God has placed on their lives, and they are doing it. And they are living it. But here's what I'm here to tell you. God is not looking for more Aaron's and Cheryl's in our church. He's looking for you. And the unique way that he has gifted and called you to move with his presence and his spirit in this place. He is looking to invite you into his movement. God doesn't want you to just be inspired by their story and say, wow, look at God move through them. No, he wants to activate movement in you as well. Church, we need experiences of God that don't just move us in here. We need experience of God that move us towards action, that move us out there. That's where the rubber hits the road for this. And, and if I can, as, as we begin to wind down here this morning, if I can just share what I believe is, and I don't use this word lightly, but just a prophetic word that God has placed on my heart for our church right now. And all that means is this is where he's stirring, this is where I believe he's moving right now. There were times in Israel's history where the cloud stood still, and the cloud rested, and the people stood still, and the people rested. But then there were also seasons where the cloud moved and the people moved as a result. Now, if I can share what I believe God is doing right now in this church, friends, the cloud is not standing still. The Spirit of God is moving. The wind of the Holy Spirit is moving right now. And the question is not whether or not God will move. The question is whether or not you will move in response to his moving. So here's where I want to close us together this morning as the band makes their way back up that if encounter with God moves us, I want to challenge you to pick one of these three things 
one question or one answer to this question here. Where is the Spirit of God moving you? Where is the Spirit of God moving you? The first one here is from scarcity to generosity. Maybe that's where he's moving you. That In this next season, I'm going to make the deliberate, scary, faith-filled choice to be generous with what he's given me. I will tell you that there are, there are months for our family where it is so easy to say money feels tight, things feel pinched, I'm going to go after the leftovers that I give God. And the problem is that those are not leftovers that he's after. He's after our first and our best. And so when we offer him what we have to offer him, it is not just left over like, hey, that can get cut if things are short. No, it is our first and our best. And when we make the choice to move, his promise is that he moves in that with us. We're not left to our own devices. We're not abandoned to our own stuff and our own abilities. He moves with us. So maybe for you, it's a, it's a move from scarcity to generosity. Here's the next one. Maybe for you it's a move from consumption to contribution. That you've been coming for a while here and you know you've been fed and you've been taken in, you've been taken in, but now it's time to start pouring out. Now it's time to start investing in the lives of other people. If that's you, if like God is stirring something in you to get invested in this next season as the spirit of God is moving and compelling us to action, maybe for you that looks like teaching kids in our kids ministry. We have kids in our kids' ministry that desperately need Jesus. <laughs> desperately, my three or some of them. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> like maybe that's where God's stirring you. Maybe for you it's serving in the lives of students on Sunday nights or volunteering in our essential store on Tuesdays during the day. Whatever that looks like for you, my challenge and my, my plea with you is to move from a place of consumption to a place of contribution if that's where you're at right now. So maybe that's the movement in your life. And then the last one here, the final one, is from moving away to moving in. Moving away to moving in. Some of us have been really burned by community in the church. Some of us have been really hurt. And one of the things, I, I shared this on social media just a couple days ago, that, that the Bible, James, actually teaches us that healing is found in community. It ought to be found in the community of the church. And my hope and my belief and my conviction is that that can happen here. That, that maybe you were hurt by the church. Maybe God's calling you to find healing in the church. To find healing in community with other people who are on the same imperfect journey that you are who have not made it but are in progress and are running after Jesus together. And so maybe for you, you're the kind of angst and the hesitation to move in, to move into the lives of other people, to share your life with others is just that. I don't want to get hurt again or it's risky or it's scary to me. I just want to challenge you like faith is always risky. It's always scary. Moving with the Spirit of God who is moving and going before us, there is always a piece of us that is scared by that, intimidated by that, that feels unknown and unnerving. But, but can I just challenge you that we may not know what is before us, but we know the one who goes before us. 
And for that reason, we can actually take bold steps of faith and say, I'm going to keep my eyes on the cloud. I'm going to keep my eyes on the wind that goes before me because God is moving and I don't want to miss out on where he wants to move in my life. So let's go ahead and and pray together and then we're going to respond in worship this morning. Father, we thank you that your spirit is here that you are moving with us, that you are compelling us, that your wind is blowing, Lord. And Father, I pray that here in this place where maybe there are things that we've held on to really tightly in our lives, maybe we've been given to apathy or, or laziness or indifference or whatever that might look like, God, I pray that you compel us to passion, compel us to action, compel us to move with your spirit as you move. Father, I pray that that New Life Church will not just be a place where people come to be fed and are consumed, but that we will contribute to the lives of each other. God, there's so many stories of that already happening in this community. And and my belief, Lord, and my conviction, and the thing I ask you is that that you will stir in our hearts that, that to be part of this community means that in some way we pour our lives out for others that we step out in faith with what you are doing, that we're not just stirred and feel good walking away on a Sunday, but we're convicted and we're compelled to move out of our comfort zones, to, to, to let you knock down the excuses or the defensives that we wanna rise up and we say, no, God, I, I want what you have for me, God. I wanna move as you move, Lord. And so Holy Spirit, do your convicting work in us. Thank you for inviting us to move with you, Lord. Thank you for choosing us as imperfect people, as your vessels and your tools. And Father, may we be obedient in that calling to you. It's in the holy name of Jesus that we pray.